Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. And I was not here this weekend to hear your sermon. You missed it. I did. Something about the Red Sea and parting and... Yeah, something like that. God providing a way or, or something. So what I... So I think it's one of, the, one of the challenges, let's back up, one of the challenges with the narrative lectionary are the huge gaps in, in the text. So, I mean, literally we went from, you know, Joseph skipped everything else and suddenly, mo- suddenly we're To be fair, Genesis ends with Joseph. Correct. So, I mean, it's just you miss Correct. The, the bulk of his story. Correct. Yeah. You, you, miss the, you, you get a snippet. You miss a large chunk of, and, and I'm okay with that. And then you just, bam, there's Moses parting the Red Sea already. Right. So we kind of went back. You missed the Moses story. Right. So we kind of filled in some of the blanks, because I think it's important to fill in, again, Cliff Notes version. Right. You know, and it's been really interesting to kind of walk people back through. Um, so t- well, because over the summer, we talked a lot about Moses, because right. we did the, the, during the women's series, we yep. talked about um, the... Uh, you know, Shipra and Pua and Pharaoh's daughter and stuff like that. So you kind of got that part of it over the summer. But if you weren't here for that, (laughs) um, you know, this is like a, whoa, whiplash. So two weeks ago, I asked, so two weeks ago was Joseph. So so, so last week we talked about, and it was like blank, oh my God, you want us to remember what we talked about the week before? So this week they came prepared because I thought, you know, I'm going to do it again. So this week they came prepared and they were, they were on point. Um, but, I, but so you have to, I think you have to kind of go back and fill in just a little bit of the blank on Moses. I mean, if, we're, if our idea and our goal is to, you know, be narrative and tell the story, I think you have to take a little bit of time to fill in the gaps. So we filled in some of the gaps. You know, listen, this Noah dude, like, or this Moses dude, like this was his thing. Boom, 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 boom. Right. Um, and then I... I What's really, all texts are like this, and I don't know if it's just where my head was this week, but all texts, you have different, different angles from which you can approach them. You think? This week, it just felt like there were a million. It just felt like there were a million angles. And this is what really hit me Saturday night at 6.15, 6.20. So while you were in the middle of the sermon? No. The reading. Oh. The reading talking about the effects water had, the parting of the sea, immediately made me think of the images of Tampa Bay being dry. Yeah. And then crashing down on the chariots suddenly made. And I, like, I, I mean, I, so I have off on Mondays. Tuesday, I. You know, I, I, I start my, I try to start my prep Wednesday, do prep, and then, you know, Thursday, Friday kind of begin to craft what I think is going to be my sermon. So, that's not to say I didn't read the text, but it's something when you hear it being read. Something about the spoken versus the read sometimes. Yeah, and it literally, I felt like I got punched in the gut. And like, oh, I got to preach now. So I, I literally, especially Saturday night, and I ended up reflecting on a little bit at all three services, but Saturday night I really took a minute to say, this is the first I've heard this read, and those words are hard. Like in, in, 
with, with the images of what just happened or what had just mm -hmm. happened on the west coast of Florida, like that idea of, you know, the waters being parted, I'm like, oh my God, like there were people literally walking through Tampa Bay because all the water was sucked out. And then when they came back and, you know, and then the, like, oh, like, holy crap, like that, you have those images and it was really, really jarring. Um, and, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, what do you do with that? So, well, so I did nothing in my sermon beyond just acknowledging that, you know, wow, that was hard. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting, though, how those things hit you. Because um, I was over at Living Faith doing revised common lectionary texts. Yep. So I was doing the, the mustard seed faith. And basically the thrust of my sermon was about, you know, faith is about continuing to move forward in the midst of despair. Yeah. Um, you know, it isn't about the Pollyanna faith. It isn't about the shiny, happy, joyous, everything. It's about pushing, pushing forward. And in the midst of what, you know, happened... Over, and, and, you know, a lot of people in this area, of course, have friends, family, et cetera, that are over there. We had members that drove generators over to family members so that they had generators and stuff. Right. And to, you know, speak into that grief and that, you know, reality is... It, it, like I said, it's interesting you can do that, and it doesn't... We, we had two different texts from scripture and yet both somehow were speaking into that situation. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think scripture always, that again, the amazing thing about scripture, it always speaks into reality. Right. It um, speaks to real life. Yeah. Um, because the, the, like I said, the mustard seed one is about, you know, Jesus launches into this, this whole thing about um, the, the servant just kind of going about it, doing its thing. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and that's sort of the response to increase our faith. And, and it's like, well, but as a servant, you just kind of keep doing your thing. And it's like, that's kind of, I think, what his illustration of what, what is faith. Faith isn't about you need some, it, you don't need to, to part the waters. <laughs> you know, parting right. the waters isn't um, the kind of faith that I think most of us are, are, you know, have or need or are given. It's the, how do you go about your daily stuff even when everything around you is crashing? Yeah. And that moving forward in faith despite all the other stuff that's going on. Yep. And not that you don't feel it, not that you don't lament, not that you don't, you know, it's not a, I'm going to smile my way through this. It's acknowledging the grief, acknowledging the destruction, acknowledging the pain that happened over there. Yeah. And how that's going to continue to be an ongoing, long-term recovery. Yeah. Long-term long recovery. Right. So but here's the... Um, here, here's the, the challenge... And we're so we're so focused on ourselves. This hurricane did just hit South Florida. 
Now, right. South Florida was devastated, absolutely. But like, there's a track through the Caribbean that is not at all equipped to deal with these things in the same fashion that we are. Puerto Rico got and, Fiona. And, you know... And Canada, actually. Yeah. I, Canada was not equipped well, for the storm they got. My, my parents got more rain in Pennsylvania than we did here. Yeah. Like in, in our part of Florida, not on the West Coast, but in our part. So Canada got 99 mile an hour winds, which Ooh. is a category two hurricane. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I don't think it was sustained winds at 99. So some, it was probably gusts. more, but they were at least tropical storm to, to yeah. cat one category there which hmm. yeah that's wow, that's crazy that's rough so yeah so back to your back yeah. to the story back, yeah, so, back to to the scripture of the the parting of the red sea yeah so i i think there's a couple there was a couple ways that i kind of brought us into the text and we've talked about this i know in the, in our pathways videos you, know, you talked about you know seeing yourself in scripture Right, so I think there's one. I mean, the obvious one is you can see yourself as the Israelites, right? Like your back's against the wall, you're hopeless. Um, I, I, I love. I find it. I find it kind of comical. The Israelites, what they whine about. Um, one of my favorite lines in this, actually, I think in all of Exodus, were there not graves in Egypt? You had to drag us all the way out here to die. Like, like, oh, right. come on, right. holy, holy. Insert. I mean, that is clear. Like that is uh, my daughter's level drama. <sighs> to be fair, I've had some similar thoughts to the to the uh, Israelites. So uh, when I went to seminary, um, there were days I sat there and went, "So God, you brought me here, dropped me off, and now you're just going to leave me." <laughs> Yep. <laughs> is, is, is this how this works? Yep. I felt like the kid who um, whose mom had dropped them off at soccer practice and forgot to pick them up. Yep. It was like, so you just kind of you, you got me here and then left and then forgot to come back. What 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 was that about? Yeah. Um, so I, as much as we make fun of the Israelites, yep, at the sure same do. time, I, it is our our response. It's our well, normal yep. response to. Well, wait a minute. This isn't turning out exactly the way we thought it would. Yep, exactly. And so I, th I think we can easily put ourselves in the place of the Israelites. And then there's a message there for the text that, hey, you know what? Even when we feel hopeless, like literally God provides a path. Like God provides a path out of our hopelessness. Like, that, I mean, that, that's kind of like, that's a really easy, it's a really easy angle. And it's really easy to hear. Because we've all been there on some level. So, and we, we want to know, we want to feel that even when our life is, you know, when we're struggling with whatever, whatever we're struggling with, that God is there and God, is, and God will find a way out. Right. Like, like, that, like, we want that. That's good. That's easy. I think the other piece that really stuck with me was just this overarching, um, God's overarching desire to liberate people from oppression. Yeah. And, and that's kind of the, if you look at the arc of scripture, yep. um, that that's who and what God is. Yep. And, and I actually, actually kind of walk through that a little bit, you know, God liberating, trying to liberate and kind of walk through, you know, scriptural references. Um, but then also 
we have like in, just in our nation's history, Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad, which I mean literally leading people out of captivity. You have Martin Luther King leading people out, trying to lead people out, I said trying to lead people out right, of the civil oppression. Because yeah. yes, it's better, but we ain't there yet. Um, and you know, sort of this, this overarching God's desire to lead people out um, of what, lead people away from what oppresses them and into freedom. And I think there's a couple ways to look at that, right? Like, so we all have things that, that bind us up, right. whether it's, you know, addiction or poverty or wh whatever. Like, we all have those things that, that, that bind us, that God works to free us from. But then there's the other, like, tangible, that really doesn't affect folks in our congregation, largely speaking, um, who are oppressed, Right, the society itself doing the, oppress the, the oppression as opposed to kind of personal Correct. personal demons, so, so to speak. Then, so then that puts the church as God's people to be the ones to work as liberators. And that's where it gets hard. Right. Right, it's easy to say that, you know, God's going to work to liberate me. It's another thing to say that, God needs me that, to be the one to right. help liberate someone else. Right, because as... To be the Moses. Right, as we've both pointed out, God doesn't work alone. Like, God created, and then God works through humanity. Like, over and over and over again, God works through humanity. So if we're God's people, uh, that work is on us. That work is on us, and, and it's... It's hard and it's challenging. And, you know, I mean, we've, we've talked about this, you know, in the work here in this church. You know, that message is not a message that a lot of people want to hear because it's no. hard. And, and it requires something. It requires you to do a little inward looking in the mirror and going, oh, where, oh, well, can it I? It requires a couple of things. It requires a little bit of holding a mirror up. Yep. Which is never comfortable. Nope. Um, and, and we both say that not as a, it's hard for you. It's hard for us. It's hard for everybody, including well, us. And, and I don't think people understand a lot of times when we're, we're preparing a sermon and we're reading some scripture and we feel the conviction for ourselves when we hear certain things Yeah. and, and read certain things. We're like, woo, rough, because how do I live that out? I mean, literally, that's, that's what I lose sleep about more than anything. Right, is how am I being a model or not being a model? Right. I, you know, I, I, literally said, I literally said to Christina last night, I said, um, this probably shouldn't be disclosed, but whatever, I already started. You know, I said, why am I a pastor? Like, why, 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 do, we, why, why do we have, why have pastors? And... Because, I, I mean, ultimately, it's hard work to try and lead people out of liberation or lead people out of oppression into liberation. And it's a, not a message. And, and it's, it's something that, I mean, this is not breaking news. Um, I, feel, I feel really passionate about. Um, I am passionate about the social justice aspect of ministry. And the reality is, 
most, I I would venture to say most, if not most, many congregations aren't. They just aren't because it's hard. And it, like, like we said, it requires us to kind of you know, do some looking in the mirror. And, and if it's hard for us, we recognize fully how hard it is for other people who aren't um, or have not felt the sense of call to you know, do, do all the stuff to become a leader. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, when I was going through my discernment, that was one of the things I specifically said why I should not be <laughs> a leader was I said, I cannot live up to whatever that model is. I already know this. I'm like, I, I, I can't be that person that you put up on some kind of pedestal or whatever. I'm like, because I will fall off of that. I will not. And, and, and you know, I know in my own life, I have way too many things that um, you could pinpoint and say, yeah, okay. <laughs> Probably not, not the best leadership material. Not the, not, not the best person to be up there telling other people how to live their lives when this is your life. Yeah, I think, I think and so so for me that discernment process was really hard because and and the my pastor at the time kind of how he got me around that um was basically to say but that is what I think people need to see and what your appeal will be is that you don't make any bones about the fact that you are just an ordinary person. Yeah. And people can relate to the fact that you're an ordinary person. Yeah. It, it, it's, um, I don't think people get into ministry to not want to make a difference. Like, I don't, I don't know that, I, mean, I don't, maybe. There, I there, there are a few, I would say there are a few that get into it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. There, there are a few that I think definitely get into it because they, they have a certain narcissism and, and they like the, the power and the control that, that it gives them. Or that they think it gives them. <laughs> yeah. And definitely, I think, gave them more power and control in earlier years than it does today. But, but there are those people. That's, yeah. that's I mean, I'm not going to pretend like that, that doesn't exist. It absolutely does exist. There are people that go into it for absolutely the wrong reasons. Yeah. But the flip side is, is then there's the other group of people who are the ones that are like, no, truly trying to just serve. And to be both a servant at the same time as being a leader can, can get really muddled. I mean, it worked for Jesus, but I mean, he did kind of die. As in like, they killed him. He tried to do it. Hey, I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to be a leader. And, and what does that hey, lead to? What does that lead to? The cross. And I mean... I wonder, do, do we get the magnitude of the cross, like we being collectively? Like, do we, do we really get the magnitude of the cross? And what it means? No, we do not. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think it... The fact that we wear it as a symbol, 
I find interesting. As, as I always tell people, oh, look, you're wearing the equivalent of an electric chair or <laughs> something right. around so your I neck. So I get that it's probably hard to like Which wear. I a, do, by the way. I have some beautiful crosses that I wear, so. Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of hard to like have a empty tomb pendant. <laughs> um, but I mean, the, do we really get the magnitude of the cross? And what and and the and the why? And I'm going to go with no. Yeah, we don't. Agreed. I think I think I think we I think we well I'll I'll caveat that. So I think we do on Good Friday. Yes. Like I think you come to. But, but people want to get past that. <laughs> right. I, I I and I think I think one thing we, I think one thing we do well here is depict Good Friday, for what it is. And you're right. People are like, oh, wow, that was fabulous. Okay. <laughs> Real nice. It's time for Easter. Time for Easter. Okay, great, good. That was nice. Uh, okay. too. Um, can, we do, can we do Easter on Saturday? Uh, um, because it, it is and should be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't only be uncomfortable on one Friday a year. Out of the year? Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I, and I, I'll call myself guilty on that because I think you know, there are often times I'll say, well, that's what the cross is about. And I'm like, actually, it wasn't. That's what the empty tomb is for. And there are a number of times when I'll catch myself in the middle and be like, oh, actually, you know what? It's, it's really not the cross. It's the empty tomb is really what... It's, man, it's hard. Yeah, and, and I think we also miss... You know, I've, I've talked about this before. You know, we, we seem to, we want to make a separation between the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament. And... Word became flesh. If you're, <laughs> yeah. But if you're really paying attention to what Jesus teaches... Word became flesh. It's, yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's... Said the guy who does not like John's gospel, word became flesh. I am appreciating that at the moment. Well, I, I mean... If, and for me, honestly, we know I don't like John's gospel, but if you take nothing else from John's gospel, just take that. Yep. Because, I, I mean, that, that is, for me, that's the most valuable part of John's gospel. Jesus is the word became flesh. So, like, that whole stuff Jesus does, uh, it's the embodiment of God. Like, yep. Yeah, I mean, he, he, goes around, he goes around doing weird things like actually quoting the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah. Um, and, and like, and like, really weird things, like, like helping the vulnerable and like. Yeah, like the you mean he lives it out? It's really bizarre. Yeah, I mean, like the crazy thing is he doesn't just like go pray to God, like, dear God, please be with the hungry. Hey, here's a bunch of fish and some loaves. Right. Woohoo! Go now, eat. Now, now, to be fair. I, I don't envy Jesus um, how he ended up in terms of, you know, the, the whole cross thing. I Well, let's look at how people who have tried to live that out have fared. Right. What, what I did envy, what I do envy was his ability to carry out certain things like, oh, what? I actually can feed 5,000 people. I thought you were I saying, can turn water into wine. I knew you were going to come with water into wine. <laughs> 
I, I envy I envy that ability, <laughs> um, and even the ability of Moses to part a sea, you know. Yeah. And, and granted, and you know, this this is all the power of God and, and and all that kind of stuff. But it's like those are not things we see, and unfortunately, it's also those are the things that you know we're like we we start to. That's sometimes how we question faith, is we say, well, I don't see those things happening. And to remember that that wasn't really something that happened all that often back then either. I mean, it was, they were isolated events. So it just occurred to me, we suck. Not breaking news. (laughs) So... (laughs) Okay. Because maybe our focus, because I'm wondering if this isn't one of the one of the challenges, is helping people understand that they are called. They are called. Moses was called. Noah was called. Saul slash Paul was called. Like all these people through Scripture were called. We're all called. Like we're all called to do the work. Like we're all called, not just pastors, not just, and, and it's, it's hard to, it's hard to get there. I get it. Cause I mean, I was a pew sitter. Pa- pastors have the calling of helping equip other people in their calling. That's, yeah. that's it. That's our role. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, there's a chunk that maybe there needs to be more focus in churches with a capital C on helping people understand. Let me rephrase that. So in um, mainline denominational churches, because in your, a lot of your um, non-denominational churches, they view their call as personally saving people. I'm going to, I'm going to, I saved you. When we used to do, um, first priority at the middle school, there was a kid that would talk about, you know, oh, I, I, I saved three kids last week. And the first week there, I, I literally was, I thought he was a lifeguard. Um, and I'm like, oh, I gotcha. And so for us, our call as Lutherans, we don't necessarily view our call as call to save people. Oh, our belief is Jesus already took care of that, the cross, the empty tomb again but that our call is to be the embodiment, is to be the word in the flesh. Like our call, in my view, is to be God's word in the flesh. Now, we're human, so we're not gonna do it in the um, inerrancy that Jesus did because we're flawed, but we are still called to do it. Like we're called to be the word made flesh. We're the body of Christ. But I don't, I don't it's, but it's, it, the reality is it's hard to get people there, right? Like, like I jokingly said, we suck because, but it, it's, it, it's hard. It's hard to get people to be there. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, and again, that, that's kind of, I think, like I said, part of our, our, our struggle is when we're looking at these scriptures and we feel the conviction ourselves and then are going, okay. So if I'm feeling this, <laughs> how do I get a congregation full of people yeah. to hold that mirror up yep. without it sounding super judgy? Yeah. 
And, and I mean, that, that becomes the, the challenge of, yeah. look, this isn't a judgment. This is just a, this, this, is, this is what we're called to be. Yep. Um, and we're all in this together. Yep. And I think that becomes, um, for a lot of people, the, the, the disconnect is they think we're, we're like telling them they need to be better. We all need to be better. We do. Yeah. They do need to be better. And right. so do we because so do humanity we. needs to be better. Because yeah. the reality is... Collectively, we need to be better. Right. Because we, the reality is we live in a world where God provides an abundance and we have poverty and we have homelessness and we have hunger. And, and that's not... I'm not even talking outside of our country. I'm not even talking outside of our state. I'm not even talking outside of our... I mean, like in our county... In and, our city, we have that. And I think the disconnect, especially in Lutheranism, the disconnect for Lutherans is, wait a minute, I'm here to hear about how Jesus saves me. Yep. And how my inadequacies are okay. Which maybe that explains why Easter's so full. Right. Just come on Easter, you'll hear that story, I promise. Yeah. And, and, and the, um, you know, the, the needing the comfort of being, you know, told that when we do fall short, you know, God forgives kind of thing. I've been trying to work that in more regularly just as a, hey, yes, this is true. And also. It's kind of one of those things. It's, it's a how do you keep people, keep people from feeling their quote off the hook <laughs> of going, you know, there's, there's that danger of when you say, well, you know, it's fine to them then going, well, it's fine if I don't do all this because... That's where cheap grace comes in. Yeah, that, that was yeah it's fine if I don't do these things because it doesn't matter in the end. Yeah. And the reality is, no, it does matter. It, it, you know, and I'm not even talking about, you know, quote, or, or, or looking at, you know, salvation. It's sort of like if your whole reason for coming to church is because you're trying to do a check mark to, to get your, your ticket into heaven. You know, it's like, well, you know, it's okay, so... That's, that's my ultimate goal here is I want to be in heaven. To me, that's a very selfish kind of faith. Um, and I think, unfortunately, though, it has been that selfish kind of faith that we have put out there for a very, very, very long time, that it is all about just your own personal salvation. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, this is what I don't... That, which, which we need, especially giving comfort when people are, are, are facing horrible things. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, we need that. And that box, that box is checked. Yeah. Like that, that salvation box is checked. I um, mean, I mean Luther, Luther was Mr. You know, no works, right, you know, right. works righteousness. And, oh, and, no. and I think you know, it's one of those, it's the framing of, so, okay, great. That, that box has been checked. Now what? And I think it's the now what we have not been good at. It's the, okay, I've, well, I've got my checkbox, so yeah. what, do I, but what do I do with that? What do I do with the fact that this is something I don't need to worry about? I have a retired pastor friend um, that I don't know from here, but I know from, um, previous, from a previous part of my life, I'll put it that way. And we were talking... I guess it was before COVID. Um, it may have been before I came here. I don't even know. And he said to me, he said, 
I, have, I had no idea the damage I was doing. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, I focused so much on making sure my people knew that, that God saved them and God loved them, that I never taught them, I didn't teach them enough that they needed to love the world. He said, and now I see what's happening in so many areas of Christianity. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not pointing laying that on our church. Um, no, I, no, 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 no. This, this is more American, right. especially American Christianity. Co- is correct. Well. He said, but yet I see all the hate that's coming out of the church and all the division and all the bigotry and... Um, I'm sorry, because I've made your job harder. <laughs> but but there there was some appreciate someone yeah. who recognizes that. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I saw something the other day on social media type stuff, where someone basically said, "Well, you know, I guess um, if the world hates me for being a bigot and hates me for being, you know, this and that." Um, I'd rather have them hate me for that than, you know, to have Jesus hate me. And I'm sitting there going, whoo, boy, you're, you're running a fun little risk of um, assuming that God's going to like the fact that you were a bigot. <laughs> like, right. that's, wow. I mean, that just, but, but it encapsulated the, the viewpoint that I think a lot of. Yeah. Christianity has adopted where it's like, well, I can be hateful because I feel I'm called to be hateful because this is something I don't think God should tolerate, is going to tolerate. And that's how they understand and interpret their scriptures. And therefore, they honestly think that's what they're called to do, is is they're called to be bigots, they're called to be racist, they're called to be this or that, um, because they somehow think that that is what is is um, the primary calling of scripture. I, 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 and, I'd and, like and to know what they're reading. Like, I, I, I would like so to know. So I grew up in that kind of, I, I shouldn't say I grew up in it. Um, I was very exposed to it. I wouldn't say that was what my parents taught me um, and was not necessarily even the faith of the church that I was kind of growing up in taught me, but I was in my adult years very exposed to that, that kind of theology of, well, God hates this and God hates that. And it was so focused on the things God hates that that becomes your view of God is that God just hates these things. And if God hates them, I hate them. Yeah. And it took a while to kind of shift me back to, wait a minute, that's not really what Scripture is saying. That's not really the arc. That is not really the, the message of Scripture. Um, you know, the, the whole love your neighbor thing, I think, trumps pretty much everything else. And if it doesn't fit in that for me, then there's a problem. Yeah. Although, it, although I've had many... I should say many. Some of those folks will 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 spin their what we would label as hate. Say, well, I'm doing that out of love because so I don't that, want them to go to hell. Because I don't want them to go to hell. Because you're the sole arbiter of whether or not that person's going to hell. I mean, get over yourself, seriously. Um, and but, and but, I suppose that that becomes that for me is the judgment part. 
Right. Is you've already judged that that's where they're headed. Yeah, right. You've decided that based on your interpretation, your understanding. Yeah. That that's, that that's what's going to happen to those people. Yeah. And for me, that's where you get a little tripped up in the whole thing is I'm like, wait a minute, that's making you the judge. Yep. And you've decided. Yeah. Jesus says we should love people. So it doesn't say we should judge people. So maybe we should focus. It in fact, says not to judge people. It specifically says don't, right. don't judge So maybe people. we should just love people. And then I'm pretty sure God's capable of sorting it all out in the end. Like, right. I, I think God that, can do now, that. Now, to be fair, that is not to say that you don't have to have accountability and stand in a type of judgment in terms of um, people's actions that are harmful. Yeah. So to me, there's a completely different type of judging. There's, there's the judging of you're going to hell because you're doing this. Yep. And there's a, okay, this is harmful to the community and you can't do that. <laughs> that that's, there, there, there's something, there's something very different there. Um, of this right. is harmful to people. I'm, this isn't about you going to heaven or hell. This is about the fact that what you're doing is not okay because it is, it is harming other people. Yep. And for me, the minute it becomes something that is harmful to other people, that's where that line is. And that's where you go, okay, this is not okay. This is not okay. It's hurting somebody. And when you're yep. hurting people, that's when, that's when the church is called to kind of step in and be like, okay, we're here not to hurt people. That's not, that's not what we're called to do yep. and be. I found it very interesting. So since we're going down this road, have you heard of the Try Guys? The who? The Try Guys. So they were on um, some, I can't remember what it's called, like a BuzzFeed network or something like that. And, and they basically, it's these four guys who got really um, kind of YouTube famous uh, and started their own production company called the Try Guys, which is basically they would go and try things out. And, you know, it, it, it was things like they'd go try on women's underwear to see how it felt, but, you know, whatever. Yeah. You know, it's it stupid, you know, dumb things. But they built their whole brand around this or whatever. Well, it came out one of these guys was having an extramarital affair with an employee. They went on YouTube, the, the three remaining, saying, we've removed this person. The reason we have is this, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's still pending an investigation, but, you know, based on what we, we know right now, we can't really talk a lot about it, but we felt we needed to come out and make a statement that this behavior is not okay. And I sat there and went, oh, my gosh, if the church could do that, if the church could take that kind of responsibility in its leadership and say, hey, this was not okay. Yeah. And we're gonna, you know, we're gonna do what we have to to, you know, preserve the safety of the, you know, the people that that could have been harmed, that were harmed, you know, that kind of stuff, and and that, that harm doesn't continue to happen. Um I'm just going to say the church has been terrible at this. Mm -hmm. We've been totally terrible in terms of dealing with, for lack of a better term, misconduct type situations. Yep. Um, it just, it, it's, it, it is, it's bad. Um, 
in 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 the way we handle it, the way that it it comes about and and um, gets played out in in church life. And I appreciated the fact that they just came out and said, "Look, we're, we're here for transparency. Um, we're hurting. This you know this is gutting us. We don't even know what you know what we're going to look like going forward um, because of this." And to me, it was the acknowledgement of the harm that was caused, the betrayal of trust, the, you know, and that they were just so open about it. And to me, I was like, that is how you build trust, is by saying, hey, this is something that happened, and it, we screwed it up. Instead of trying to sweep it under the rug, instead yep. of trying to pretend like it didn't happen, instead of trying to quietly deal with it and, and you know, make it just kind of go away, um, silence around those things, I think, is never a great way to handle it. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff then that, you know, you, you then have rumors, you then have, you know, all that kind of stuff that continue to, to circulate and, and whatever, and it just becomes unhealthy situations, very unhealthy situations. And I, so I just really appreciated the fact that, and again, like I said, I just looked at it kind of going, wow, <laughs> these are like guys in their 20s, 30s, you know, somewhere in there. And I'm like, they, they figured out as, as the, the leaders of their, their company that this is what they needed to do because it was the healthiest, best, most transparent way to deal with something. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I just, I appreciated their ability to, to do that. Um, and I don't know how we got off on this. <laughs> they were talking about the, 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 um, the judging part, the, yeah. the, the going through being, um, w when it's okay to say, okay, this has to stop, versus saying, well, I think you're going to hell, therefore, I'm going to do this. And it actually winds up being something harmful because you think you're, quote, saving them. Yeah. And, and that's where I have issues. And I'm like, well, wait a minute. If, if what you're doing is, quote, saving them, but it's harming them in the process, there's something wrong. There's something wrong with that. If you're hurting somebody while you're, quote, saving them. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm just going to say, yeah. Um. So just so we have that kind of distinction, you know, when people are like, well, don't judge me. And it's like, well, it depends on what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, is this something that's harmful? And most of the time, a lot of the things that are being judged aren't necessarily all that harmful. It's just you don't like, you know, you think what they're doing is wrong. You disagree. Somehow. You disagree. You don't like what they're doing. Does it hurt anybody? And that, that always is my, my number one question. I come back, I say, well, who is it hurting? That, that's my question. Who is it hurting? Yeah. These are, I may not agree with it, but who, who actually is getting hurt here? Yeah. Well, and, I mean, that's kind of been the, the vilification of the LGBTQ community. Right. I mean, just to call a thing a thing. Um, and, and to answer your question, who's it hurting? I, I don't know. I, I, I don't yeah. know. It, it's, <laughs> it's like I, allowing people to be who they are. Who is that hurting? Yeah. Are they hurting someone else? No. Yeah, I, 
yeah, it's, I, 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 don't, I don't understand it, but anyway. Um, I think the move in this text, I know next week is the Ten Commandments. <laughs> um, have fun with that. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I get to preach that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, mean I, th I think, you, I think you, can, you, can, you can take this text and you can internalize it. And, and you should. You should absolutely know these two things. That when you feel hopeless, God is present and working to find a path for you. That is true. It is also true that God is working to unbind you from whatever it is that binds you up. That is absolute. Those two statements are absolutely unequivocally true. You should believe that. But you should also believe that you are called as God's people to be the embodiment of Christ in the world, in tangible ways, to free the oppressed, to liberate people, to advocate for them so that we don't have the division and the, un, um, equal, the, the inequalities that we have in society. And, and you, can, you can take those, inequ those inequities in any fashion you want, whether it's economic, whether it, you know, wh whatever you want. I mean, the reality is typically follow the money um, because that's ultimate. So if we, if we look at inequalities in education, money. If we look at inequalities in housing, money. If we look at inequalities in food, food availability, money. Like housing. Like, yeah, I said housing. Um, oh, I, I, sorry, missed yeah. that. Yes. Like, like all of those things, I mean, are, are tied to money. Like, and oftentimes, especially in our current political climate, the things that aren't about money, well, if you speak against those things, you get more money. So ultimately, it, like, I find it hard to believe that we have so many politicians that are that, um, that are that. I'm just going to say that because I, I, I cannot come up with a good word. Um, that it's not about money. Like, like some of the things are, are impossible to believe unless you go, oh, but if they say that or do that, they get money. They get money. Like you can't yep. be that, you, you can't, there, there can't be that many people that are just that bad of a person. It has to be. There can be that many people that are driven by money. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. I mean, at their core, like, like and again, I think, so, I think some people are, don't get me wrong, but I, I don't think there's that many people that go, oh, wait a minute. This is, this is, this is a good route for me financially. If I say this, that, oh, okay. It's sad. It is. Um, and this is why Jesus, what does he talk about the most? Money. Money. What do we talk about the least? Money. Because it's uncomfortable. Well, because, but, but here's because, the thing. It, is, because it is our idol. It, you know, it, it is our one major idol that every society, every... Um, person has. But you know what? Here's, here's the thing. You know what? I said money. We, don't talk, we do talk about money. We talk about money all the time in every aspect of our lives. 
except the church and giving it. Right. Right. Like, like we can't, we can't talk about we're, it. We're, we're constantly concerned about it. We're church. constantly worried about it. We're constantly trying to figure out how do we get more of it. Um, yeah. So it's something we talk about ad nauseum in our, in our daily lives. Yeah. Yep. Um, how am I going to pay for this? How am I going to deal with this? How am I going to, yeah. I mean, for, for most people or, and, and for even the people who have tons of it, it's how can they make more? Yeah. It's like, well, okay, I have a billion dollars. How can I make a second, another billion? You know, that's, and quite frankly, I think at that point, it almost becomes more of a game to them than anything, which is kind of gross. But <laughs> um, it, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things where that is something that I think, again, the primary reason we do not want to talk about it is because it is our number one idol. It is our number one idol. It is the thing that gets in the way. And it's yep. always going to be getting in the way. Yeah. Always. Yeah. The only people it doesn't get it in the way for, people don't have it. And then other things are in the way because... Because they don't have what they need right. in life. Right. Yep. They're, they're not surviving. Yeah. So, I think we are at about our time. Yeah, something like that. Somewhere. We're close. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. We're, so, next week is the Ten Commandments. I, yep. will, be, uh, <clears throat> I will be preaching on that... Uh, Fun text because you know we've never heard these before. I think I ought to make everybody try and recite them. Well, in <laughs> so and then in a Lutheran order. Well, in the Lutheran slash um, right Jewish order and Catholic order, yeah. Jews, Catholics, and um, Lutherans have one order, and the rest of Protestantism has another order. Yep. So, yeah. Although, admittedly, I'm not sure. I think there might be some, maybe some Methodist or Presbyterian or Episcopalian or something that follows what we do. Um, but for the most part, most of Protestantism follows a different, um, a different set. They break yeah. up that first command into two as opposed to breaking up the covet one into two. So it just kind of depends on which one you're how you're breaking up either the first or the last commandment into, into two different ones. So anyway, well, um, that's it for us this week. We will talk to you next week. Bye everybody. Bye-bye.